Good morning, church, and good afternoon, good evening, wherever you may be uh, across the globe. Thank you so much for welcoming us into your homes. Uh, it's always a pleasure and a privilege to share the word of God with the church. And I truly believe that God has a message for every single one under the influence of my voice today. Uh, you know, I also want to appreciate our pastor for the opportunity uh, to share the word. Uh, I don't want to take this for granted. God bless you, Pastor. If you have your Bibles, please quickly turn them to the uh, book of 1 Kings, chapter 19. Book of, the book of 1 Kings, chapter 19. And I will read the first 10 verses. Please follow along. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Also, how he had executed all the prophets with his word. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life, and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a, went a day's journey into the wilderness, and came and sat under a broom tree, and he prayed that he might die, and said, it is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, arise and eat. Then he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back to the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank, and he went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights, as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? So he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, turned down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. For emphasis, I will read verse 3. And when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. Spirit of the living Lord, we thank you for such a time as this. We thank you for another opportunity to come into your presence and to learn at your feet. Because it is written in your word that the entrance of your word gives light and understanding to the simple. Father, I pray that may that be the experience of everyone under the sound of my voice today in the mighty name of Jesus. But I pray that you, mighty God, shall take control of my thinking faculty, that you shall speak to me and speak through me. That through the foolishness of preaching today, that souls will be encouraged. That lives will be transformed. That wherever there is fear, there will be faith. That wherever there is anxiety, it shall be replaced with hope. That people will receive healing from you today in the mighty name of Jesus. And Father, at the end of this all, that all the glory shall be yours and yours alone. And the blessing ours. For in Jesus' mighty name we've prayed. 
church today, uh, I will be talking to us on the topic of encouragement for a weary soul. Encouragement for a weary soul. I know that that topic may sound like it's only for people that are weary now. But I know that this message applies to every single one of us. Because at some point, we will need it. About two Sundays ago, our senior pastor uh, started a series titled Light in the Dark. And the focus has been on dejection, disappointment, depression. The first one that she did was about all alone. She told us that the journey of life takes courage and that it is very dangerous to be isolated. And last Sunday, she preached a powerful message on preparation for recovery. And if you had any doubt about recovering this year, that message should have dispelled that myth. It was a powerful message. If you didn't listen to it, please go back and watch it. So today, by the special grace of God, we will continue in that series. And we will focus on how do we encourage a weary soul. Because the topic of depression is one that is not mostly preached about in the church, uh, in the course of my preparation, I've had to do a lot of research. And please just follow me. I don't want to lose you. Follow me as we go on this adventure. The first thing I did was to find out what is the definition of depression. Because I think there should be a baseline. When I went into the dictionary, the Webster Dictionary, it says depression is an act of depressing or a state of being depressed, such as a state of feeling sad, a mood disorder marked especially by sadness, inactivity, difficulty in thinking and concentration, a significant increase or decrease in appetite and time spent sleeping. Feelings of dejection and hopelessness, and some, sometimes suicidal tendencies. That's how the dictionary defined it. When I saw that in the dictionary, I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> some of these things apply to me. So from that definition, one thing that became evidently clear to me is that you know, depression has a wide spectrum from the state of being unhappy or sad to having suicidal thought. And church, I do not care where you and I are on that spectrum today. It is my prayer that God will take us, take us out of depression in the mighty name of Jesus. The Bible says, every plant that is not planted by God shall be removed. And depression is not a state that God wants you and I to be permanently. So we have to come out of it. But because I'm also analytical, I went online and I was looking for statistics on how has depression affected people. Please just follow me. When I went on and I, I, I saw a couple of statistics, the following caught my attention. And this is why we need to be watchful and be prayerful. 
the highest rate of major depressive episodes happen with adolescents ages 12 to 17. Highest rate of major depressive episodes. Closely followed by young adults, years 18 to 25. Then the first question I ask is, what happens to the older ones? <laughs> I was surprised. People age 50 and above have the lowest. And I was thinking in my head, why would a 12-year-old, what would they be thinking of that's going to make them to be depressed? You don't have a mortgage to pay. You don't have a candles to pay. You don't have to worry about how you're going to eat. That's on your parents. No kids, nothing. Why would a 12-year-old be more depressed than a 50-year-old? If I just stopped there, it would have been great. Then I saw another statistic that says severe depression among college, college students rose from 9.4 to 21.1 between 2013 and 2018. Journal of Adolescent Health, 2019. Brethren, that, that's 130% increase. What is the correlation between going to school to study and having suicidal thoughts? I can't fathom learning physics and that's making someone to be depressed that they want to kill themselves. And then Holy Spirit told me that the devil, is, devil knows that these young ones are our future. And if the devil has not been successful in capturing you and I, he wants to destroy the future. But I have a goodness for somebody today that our own will not be part of these statistics in the mighty name of Jesus. And for those that are already in the state of being depressed, God will deliver them today in the mighty name of Jesus. So I went further. I said, is depression always a result of circumstances or events? Now, pardon me because I'm not in the medical field. But I wanted to know, what is the root cause of depression? Because in that definition, it could be something that just makes you unhappy, makes you sad. And then they start building that you can't sleep, you can't eat. And then ultimately that you start thinking of taking your own life. <laughs> and then I saw there that it's not in all cases that depression is induced by circumstances or external events. That biologically, so people have chemical imbalance in them that makes, that makes them to be depressed. I don't know who I'm speaking to today, but if you are such a person, please seek medical advice. As a church, we will continue to pray for you, but prayer of faith and seeking medical advice are not mutually exclusive. And if you've seen a doctor and they've put you on medication, please continue to take that medication. I will still continue to pray for you, and your healing will be permanent in the mighty name of Jesus. But the truth is, some people do have chemical imbalance. However, today, my message will be on addressing depression caused by external factors. Then the second question I asked myself was, 
does depression speak to my level of spirituality? Because like I said, this is not a topic, and thank God for pastor, this is not a topic that we typically talk about. Does depression speak to my level of spirituality? The word of God says, out of two or three, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, truth shall be established. So I said, who would be my witness today? <laughs> and then I remember Hebrew 12 that says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. So let's pretend that we are in the courtroom. And then we have witness number one. Was Jesus ever depressed? Or even before that, do you believe that Jesus is the son of God? Anointed? But was Jesus ever depressed? Mark chapter 14, verse 34. When Jesus was, was at the garden of Gethsemane, you know what he said to his disciples? He said, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. And then he proceeded and he said, God, if you can just take this cup away from me. But he said one more thing. He said, it is not my, it's not my will, but your will be done. But Jesus was deeply sorrowful, even unto death. So he said, yeah, Brashala, that is one. He said, out of two or three witnesses. Yeah, we can call another one. And the person I would like to call to the witness stand is someone that God called a man after his own heart, King David. In that Bible passage that our sister read, Psalm 42, verse 5, it says, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? I believe if you look at verse 3 before that, it says, My tears have been my food morning and evening. That means somebody has been crying all day. And then when you go to verse 5, he said, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? But he didn't stop there. He said, Put your hope in what? In God. And I saw a pattern in that, you know, chapter 42. By the time you go to chapter, uh, chapter 42, verse 11, exactly the same thing was repeated. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him. If it had stopped there, I would have been fine. I flip to chapter 43, verse 5. Same thing. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. That tells me that David was very sorrowful and depressed. But he said out of two or three, so who is your number three, three witness? <laughs> we'll call him into the witness stand. And my number three witness is Prophet Elijah. In that passage of the Bible that we read, 1 King chapter 19. Elijah showed signs of depression. But before I can go there, I need to set the stage for you. I know Pastor did this about two weeks ago. But, but let, let me just point out a couple of things for you. 
Because in that chapter 19, there are three or four main actors apart from God. First one, King Ahab. He was the king of Israel. What was written about him, he was one of the most evil kings to rule in Israel. Why? He allowed idolatry. Through who? Through his wife. Who? Queen Jezebel. So, number two person, Queen Jezebel. She was the mastermind behind idolatry in that, in that, in that, in that era. She did not only practice it. They built a temple and they erected altar for fake gods, Baal. And then, number, th- the, number three person is uh, Prophet Elijah, the Tishbet. But let's talk about Elijah for a minute, because we need to put things in perspective. <laughs> Elijah, as a man of God, went and said, because of your sinful ways, there will not be rain nor dew except by my word. So, rain stopped. And God told him to go to the brook. So God told him that, hey, you go to the brook and you can get water there. But he also did something with him. He said, the ravens will bring what? Flour and meat for you so you can eat. So Elijah was not just a mere prophet. It's a prophet that experienced God's supernatural provision. And if you know the nature of ravens, the scavengers, God is using a scavenger to bring food and meat to his prophet. That's a message for another day. And then from there, the Bible also records that he went to the uh, house of the widow of Zarephath. You know the story about the oil that will never run dry and everything. But also equally important that was when the son of the widow died, Elijah raised him from the dead. You would think that would be all. And then, by the time you get to chapter 18 of 1 Kings, he went and he confronted Ahab and the prophet of Baal. He said, let us have a show of power. Since you guys have been saying that, you know, Baal is God, and I know that Jehovah is God, let us test it. So they erected two altars, one for the prophet of Baal, one for, for, for uh, Elijah. And he said, let's do a simple test. You just put, uh, put, 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 put the, uh, the animal here and call fire from heaven, and let me do the same thing, and let's see whose God will answer. Prophet of Baal tried so many times, they couldn't do it. Even Elijah went and mocked them, said, ah, is your God on vacation? Why is he not answering you? And when it was time for Elijah, I said, before you do it, I want to make sure that this one is beyond any reasonable doubt. Pour water on it. Because water and fire don't go hand in hand. 
Because I don't want people to think I'm doing magic. Pour water. <laughs> they poured water. And then he prayed. And Jehovah God answered. The story didn't end there. He harnessed all those prophets of Baal and they were executed. But that was not the only problem that Israel had that was still drought. So he said, there will be rain today. In that same chapter 18, rain that, had, that stopped for about three and a half years, Elijah prayed and rain fell. I hope you have a picture of all the great things Elijah had done with God. Now, when you get to chapter 19, what happened? King Ahab went and told the boss, the guy at the top, and said, ah, let me tell you what happened today. <laughs> that trouble of Israel, all the God, he killed all the prophets. And then what did Jezebel do? She sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow by this time. And by the time you get to, by the time you get to verse, verse 4, he said, but he himself went on a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat under a broom tree and he prayed that he might die. A prophet of God that had done so many powerful miracles is now praying to die. And as you know, as, as we read that passage, he was in that state for at least 40 days, 40 nights. Because the angel of God came to him and said, Eat. He had the first time. I said, you need to eat again because your journey will be far. So just imagine what will make a prophet of God that powerful to be in a state of depression for about 40 days, 40 nights. As I pondered on this for a while, the Holy Spirit told me something. He said the difference between Jesus and Elijah or David and Elijah is something very simple. I said, what is that? He said, perspective. Perspective. What is perspective? It is usually the difference between illusion and reality. Because life is not always what it seems. I said, so help me understand what was the different perspective that Jesus had. He said, Jesus was sorrowful, but he said, not my will, but your will be done. You could see the bigger picture. That even though I may not want to do this, but I understand the end goal. It is a part of the process. That in the end, the Father will be glorified. That perspective was there. When it was Elijah's turn, that perspective was missing. So, what are those things that may hinder our perspective or may change our perspective? 
Number one is opinion of others. Opinions of others. You know, there's a saying that says opinion is like a nose. Everyone has one. How do I know that that is a truism here? Let's go back to verse 2. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me. And I, I want to point something out to you. Let the gods do to me more also if I do not make your life as life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. But can you put on verse 3? You know what verse 3 says? And when he saw that, so a messenger said to him, this is what she said. In verse 3, Elijah saw it. You know what that means? It simply means that it is not what they say unto you, neither what you hear that makes the difference. It is the picture that you engrave in your heart. Until Elijah saw it, he wasn't depressed. This is not the first time that they would have confronted Elijah. This was a man that went toe-to-toe -to -toe with prophet of Baal. But the moment he saw it, he saw what was said. He painted that on his canvas. He said, ah, I know how I killed those people yesterday. So that's how they will kill me. The opinion of one person that he allowed to germinate in his heart planted that seed of depression for him. I don't know who you listen to. <laughs> I don't know who your associates are, are your advisors. All I can say is that it doesn't matter what they say, the only thing that you should have is what's God's perspective. And in this case, you would have thought that Elijah would seek what's God's perspective here. Because if he had introspection, the person that is threatening you, you just killed all our prophets. Heaven did not fall. Who is she going to send to come and kill you now? Somebody that had those prophets on a payroll. You killed all the prophets. The same God, the small G God that she said would do unto her, couldn't answer when they called for fire to come down. What would have made Elijah to be scared? Lack of introspection. I do know that life happens. Trust me. Have I been depressed? Now, after reading that definition, yes. And so many times. I never thought about depression that way. But thank God for the opportunity to bring this message to you. It is normal for you to go through periods of disappointment. What should not happen is for you to wallow in it. And what can help us change that dynamic is our perspective. So people tell you, you know, you are in the college. Think about this. You went through elementary school, you passed. <laughs> Middle school, you excelled. High school, you passed. SAT, they didn't do it for you. You wrote the exam and you passed. And now you are in college and somebody is saying you don't belong. What was the requirement to get to college? You got the requirement to get to college, but a, a lying devil is telling you that 
No, you don't belong here. I remember when I came to, the, to America, I was a computer science major. Prior to that, I was in college in Nigeria. And back then in Nigeria, we didn't have a lot of computers. So everything that we did in computer science, you would just write it on paper. You know, you just as if it's going to work. Just put on paper and then you submit it. And once in a while, when you get an opportunity, you go to a, a computer center, you rent a computer for like 30 minutes and you try stuff in. By the time you key everything you've, you wrote on paper down, you just have syntax error. Because we never really tried it. So my first computer class here at Temple University, they said, we're going to computer lab. I said, computer lab? Ah. So I sat there. People were introducing themselves. They said, ah, I've been doing programming since I was in high school. Ah. <laughs> high school. I said, what about you? I said, ah, I was doing programming too in Nigeria. <laughs> It was so intimidating. And you know what almost killed me? Because then I would just, if I'm looking for A, A, D, E. By the time the lab time is over, maybe I'm, I've typed like five, six lines. And then I'll say, everybody, broom, they're gone. Ah. I said, these people will kill me here. But thank God I only had one way ticket. There's no way to go back. And it was not a case of sink or swim. You have to swim because there's no way to sink to. And then, when we had our first exam, <laughs> this is where it's important not to take opinion of other people. I was sitting in that exam hall. It was a 50-minute exam. 15 minutes, half of the class was gone. Ah, I, I started crying. I said, I know these people, they are wizards. They're too good. How can I compete with people in 15 minutes? They finished the exam. I was on number 10 out of 50 questions. The professor came and said, are you okay? I said, I'm fine, sir. So why are you crying? I said, don't you understand? I said, I think I understand, but why am I on number 10 when half of the class had gone? Opinions of others. Do you know what happened? By the time the results came, so that was on Thursday. The next class would have been Tuesday. That was my longest weekend ever. I even told my roommate, I said, I don't think, maybe I should be thinking of changing my major. He said, why? I said, I don't think I can compete with these Americans. One, they are too fast on the keyboard. Two, they are way too smart. I was on number 10, they had left the, the, the hall. And my roommate didn't even tell me what was going on. He just smiled. I said, why is this one even making fun of me? By the time we got to class on Tuesday, the professor was squinting his eyes like, how do I call this name? And he said, Olusola, see me after the class. I had gotten perfect score. Do you know what happened? They didn't know what they were doing, so they didn't want to waste time. They just left. 
which is why I always tell our people, why are you worried about other people? You are in a marketplace negotiating your own deal and you listen to the noise of people around you. If you're a college student and you're feeling depressed because somebody, is, somebody has a higher score than you, did that person's parents pay for your school fees? Why should that make somebody to be feeling suicidal? Opinions of others. It skews our perspective. By the time we got to second year, the next year, that same professor called me and said, look, I don't normally do this. This role is for a final year student, but I want you to be my teaching assistant. So I went from A, D, where to find it on keyboard. In a space of one year, to becoming a teaching assistant for the same class I thought I failed the first exam. God is a humorous God. But the devil will be lying to you that you can't make it. I didn't know it was depression. That weekend, I was so sad. Oh, is someone telling you that you are too old to enroll in school? Just so you know, I came back to the America and I started as a freshman. Full disclosure, I was older than 18. I was older than 19. I was older than 20. But look at how God can redeem time. What would have taken me to be a final year student to do? He gave it to me in second year. Have perspective. Don't let opinions of others screw, you know, skew how you see God, how God sees you. That's one. The second one is, the second one that skews our, our, our perspective, our opinion of ourselves. What do you think about yourself? Who are you? Are you just an online person that is looking for clicks? Go back to that Bible passage. If it were to be now, Baal will have more views than Elijah. 450 prophets. They were the in thing. Everything, boom, boom. The temple was built by Queen Jezebel. All the you know, state-of-the-art equipment will be there. Like when you go there, the sun system will be pounding your heart. Boom, boom, boom. We always forget that God has never done anything major with multitudes. It's always been minorities. What are you always looking for? Instagram. How many people are following me? Following you to where? The reason I'm saying is because our young ones, this amount of information on social media is so much and it influences their thinking. Snapchat, uh, Instagram, which other one? Facebook, do all these ones. By the time you spend four or five hours a day on social media, how much time do you have to think? And then people will put nice pictures there. 
real wives of Atlanta, real wives of LA or whatever they call which real wives? Have you ever wondered why some of these stars overdose on drugs? Have you ever wondered? The simple reason is this. If you are not happy with who you are, you can never be happy with what you have. If you are not happy with who you are as a person, it doesn't matter what you have, you can never be happy. So what's your opinion of yourself? Let's go back to Elijah. He said in, in verse 4, he prayed that he might die and said, it is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Who asked him to compare himself with his father's? Even if you're a junior, because the name is the same, you still have different DNA. You're, you are different. Your fingerprint will be different from your, from your father's fingerprint. So why was he comparing himself with his father's? His own opinion is that he's not better than them. When the Bible never even recorded who those fathers were. Just imagine how the devil messes with our mind. No wonder he was in this state for over 40 days, 40 nights. As if that was not enough. By the time we get to verse 10, he said, I'm the only one left. May God open our eyes. If God should show you things that he has, he, he, he has prevented you from, we'll be more thankful. He said, I'm the only one left. God said, no. 7,000 people that have not bowed. Illusion says one. Reality says 7,000. Illusion says, I'm no better than my father. God said, I'm not asking you to compare. Who are you comparing yourself with? What's the purpose of, of the comparison? I've given you an assignment. Go do it. People tell you, ah, you need, for you to be hip, you have to like, you know, put drugs. <laughs> Those that take the drug, what is their future? A minority that is right will be the majority. It's only a question of time. God has not called you to blending. He's called you to stand out, outstanding. So what is, what is making us to stay in this perpetual state of depression? Lie of the devil. If you go to Numbers 13, when God asked, when, when God spoke to us, they say, hey, it select people to go and, uh, and spy the, uh, you know, the promised land. They came back and they said, ah, we were like grass up in our own eyes. 
we were like grasshoppers. Not, they didn't tell us so just in our own eyes. The way we saw it, the way I'm looking at this stuff, it's not going to work. We were like grasshoppers. When God says, I'm giving you a land, but you're thinking you are a grasshopper. If you don't align with God's perspective, how will things work? More recently, I'll share a story with you. I was debating not to be to share this one, but I'll share it. 2020 in my career has been the most fulfilling one yet. Because I know the, the no, future is still going to be brighter. Yet. Let me give you, let me just paint a picture for you. July 2020, I took on a new role. That role made me a leader of a particular practice in the biggest region in the world. My contemporaries were people that have been partners for 13, 15, 20 years. Yet, I got the biggest region in the world. That was July 2020. Even when I told my wife, I said, you remember there was a time in 2012 when I went to meet one of our leaders. She said, yes, remember. I said, that person is now my contemporary. So that was July. Everything was going well. And then, in December, we had this big client. And they wanted to talk to us about a potential project. But the project itself is not big. So what happened? As the leader of the practice, I had to step up and talk to the client. All that weekend as my practice, I, I rehearsed, I played in my head what my intro would be, how I want to be insightful, I want to show him the power of our farm, like blah, blah, blah. I played everything in my head. It was a 30-minute meeting. That week, I was meant to be on vacation because I've been working so many hours, I'm like, I just need a break. But I had to take that call. How back up. Even before that call, I called one of my brothers that used to be here, Brasher, because he's also in that line of field. I said, if as a client, what would you expect a consultant to tell you? So I was overprepared in my mind. <laughs> and then I got on that call. The call was uh, okay. You know, it was, you know, I was having like a free flowing, like, let's talk, you know, big boy, like, let's, <laughs> that, you know, that, it didn't happen that way. I finished that call, I was sad. Because my own perception was that that call didn't go well. My wife could tell that something was off, but it, it didn't stop at that point. At night, I couldn't sleep. You know, I literally was playing the 30 minute conversation like on a loop. And she was like, why are you not sleeping? I said, I can't sleep. Say why? I said, because of the meeting I had today. I don't, I don't think that meeting went well. For like two days, I couldn't sleep. She would pray and say, like, 
She's like, but you used to tell me that, you know, one meeting will not make you. Why are you doing this? I just don't know. And then, because I had not read the definition of depression, I didn't know that I was slipping into depression. And then Brashaya will come and I'm like, how did you go? I said, I think you went okay. And he said, come on, snap out of this stuff. I mean, you're a big boy. How can you tell it's not? I said, I don't think it went well. Even in my own, I was using my mouth to confess. That almost ruined my Christmas. And then fast forward, second week in January, the client called my boss. If you know how scared I was, I've never been that scared in my life. And look at how the devil was messing with me. <clears throat> I was, the business I was looking for was 0.075 of what I manage. Not even 0 0.75, 0.075. And I was, I was so scared. For like two weeks, every time that stuff comes, I would just be sad. And then the guy called my boss. The moment my boss texted me and said, Shola, call me, I was like, ah, let me just make sure I'm sitting down. You know what my boss said? He said, the guy thinks you are a 10 out of 10. I almost started, I, I almost cried. I said, ah, the meeting I thought was horrible, that I thought didn't go well, happened on the 21st of December. I didn't talk to my boss until like maybe 10th to 11th of January. And I've been miserable. And devil stole my joy for 0 0.075, even if like it's a random error. But because my opinion was not in, I didn't have the right perspective. If I had just done it and I said it's 0 0.075, what could have mattered? I didn't think about it that way. For almost two, two and a half weeks, my wife, my wife was praying, thank God for a, a praying wife. <laughs> it was tough. I'm sharing this with you to let you know that you are not alone. As a matter of fact, there is nothing that is happening to you that is uncommon. Whether you are a young adult, whether you are in your 80s or 60s, 70s, nothing, there is nothing new under the sun. As I begin to wrap up, let me share a story with you that I think will bless you. And I don't want us to end on a, on a sad note. It was a letter I, I saw on like some, some years back from a daughter to her parents. I will read and I think you know, they will project it too. So if my accent is throwing you off, which I've heard so many times, even at work, <laughs> Opinion of others doesn't really matter. Just read it online with me. Dear mom and dad, it has been a few months since I left for college. I have been remiss in writing and I'm very sorry for my thoughtlessness in not having written before. I will bring you up to date now. But before you read on, please sit down. Please and please sit down. You are not to read any further unless you are sitting down. Okay? Yeah, and I figured the parents were sitting down. <laughs> In general, I'm getting along pretty well here. 
the skull fracture and the concussion I got when I jumped out of the window of my dormitory, when it caught fire shortly after my arrival, are pretty well healed now. I only get that bad headaches once a day. Fortunately, the fire in the dormitory and my jump were witnessed by an attendant at the gas station near the dorm. It was the one who called the fire department and the ambulance. He also visited me at the hospital. And since I had nowhere to live because of the burnt out dorm, he was kind enough to invite me to share his apartment with him. It's really a basement room, but it's kind of cute. He's a very fine boy, and we are falling deeply in love. And I'm planning to get married. We haven't set the exact date yet, but it will be before my pregnancy begins to show. <laughs> yes, mom and dad, I'm pregnant. I know how much you are looking forward to being grandparents, and I know you will welcome the baby and give it the same love and devo devotion and tender care you gave me when I was a child. The reason for the delay in our marriage is that my boyfriend has minor infection, which I carelessly caught from him. I know for sure that you will welcome him into our family with open arms. He is kind, and although not well-educated, is ambitious. He's of a different race and religion than ours. I know you expressed tolerance. I know your expressed tolerance will not permit you to be bothered by that. Now, listen. Now that I've brought you up to date, I want to tell you that there was no dormitory fire. I did not have a concussion or skull fracture. I was not even in the hospital, and I'm not pregnant. I'm not engaged. I'm not infected, and there is no boyfriend. However, I'm getting a D in history and an F in science, and I wanted you to see these grades in the proper perspective. This young lady has taught us what perspective is. Just imagine, if she acquired and said, I have ten, five A's, but a D in history and F in science, what would the parent have said? Why are you wasting our money? You're not serious. But he said, it could have been worse. I could have been pregnant. I could have been planning to get married to a person out of our race, a different race, different religion. I could have been infected with whatever the guy got. He said, but none of those things happened. I don't have a fractured skull. I'm not having concussion. I'm hale and healthy. All that is happening is that I'm failing two classes. Please, can you put that in perspective? That is how God wants us to think. Don't take anything for granted. It could have been worse. You know, I was talking to some younger ones and they said, oh, you know, our parents don't understand what it takes to be in America. And you know, I just laugh. And I've not said this to them, but I've been thinking, do you even realize that your parents sacrificed leaving the comfort of their own country, Nigeria, to come and suffer here? For who? How many more years do they have to live? I remember when we went to Nigeria some years back, my oldest saw some young people hawking stuff on the street. 
And she said, I'm like, if you make fun of them, because that could have been you. The fact that it's no use just by the message of God. Perspective. How often do we give our, 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 our children, our loved ones, the right perspective? The reason why I wanted to share this letter with you is because not only will your opinion impact your perspective, but sometimes your opinion may, 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 your opinion may alter other people's perspective. So when you have the opportunity to advise people, to cancel them, to alter their perspective, are you going to show them the God perspective or are you going to go by your own personal perspective? There are two things that, are, that matter in this race of life. Direction and speed. And I always tell people, it is more important that you get the direction right and worry less about the speed. Because if you are headed in the wrong direction and your speed is fast, that's double jeopardy. Things that make us sad, is that, oh, my friends have 10 houses. I only have one. It is speed. If you are directionally correct, God can redeem time. I didn't finish college at 22. I didn't finish at 23. I didn't finish at 24. But people that have been working for like 15, 16 years before me, we are now contemporaries. God can leapfrog you. Don't get depressed because of speed. Have you ever asked God, am I directionally correct? Am I at the center of your will for me? Like I said, life is not always how, how things seem. I'll leave you with this in closing. All birds in the air, they find shelter during the rain. But there's a particular type of bird, eagle. Eagle avoids rain by flying above the clouds. What does that mean? Problems are common. It's your attitude that makes the difference. Rise to your feet. There is nothing that's happened to you or myself that is uncommon. I know that the younger generation, they face the issue of everything in their face. But God is saying, I've not called you to just blending. I've called you to stand out. For you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. But it's not only the truth that you know. It is the truth that you do that sets you free. You know why? Somebody who is a thief knows that stealing is not good. So they're still doing it. <laughs> it is the truth that you do that sets you free. And I've told you that God is the only one that can redeem time. It doesn't matter where you're starting from. I thank God that we just celebrated Matthew Luther King Day. He said, if you cannot fly, run. If you cannot run, walk. If you cannot walk, crawl. Just keep moving. Find a way to move. And see what God will do. But the difference 
is always the God's perspective. And it's almost impossible for you to have God's perspective when you don't have a relationship with God. He's the only one that can sustain us. He's the only one that can help us snap out of our depression. He's the only one that can give us the right perspective when we plug into him. So, paraventure, there are people listening to me and they've not met Jesus Christ. I want to give you an invitation to meet this kind God that we serve. He's the one that can catapult you. It doesn't matter whether you're 10-15 years behind. You just start and see what God will do. He redeems time. If there are people like that, just close your eyes and say after me. Heavenly Father, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. Please forgive me of my sins. I know you died for me and you rose from the dead. God, I'm inviting you to my heart today to be my Lord and Savior. Please write my name in the book of life. And I prayed for grace to continue to follow you the rest of my life. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. If you just said those words, please text Dave to the number that you have on the screen. And somebody will reach out to you. Church, it's been a pleasure sharing with you. Have a blessed week and God bless you. The word is already working in you. We hope you were blessed by this message. For more messages and information about the church, please visit us at www.rccglivingspring.org.